I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to the 580th most popular health and fitness podcast on the internet, the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Matt. And my name is Courtney. You like that? That was good. Thank you. <laughs> Hope you guys found that as funny as we did. We laugh at our own jokes all the time. We are here today to discuss something that comes up a lot with our clients, something that we have had to overcome ourselves along the way, basically answering the question, can I still eat out while losing weight? Yeah, big question. Why? And I think it's just a big fear that a lot of people have. Uh, I know that it can be a fear for people when they start changing their their food, they start making better choices, they start developing better habits, they start exercising, they're feeling really good about themselves. For a lot of people, eating out can be quite daunting. They can intimidating. F- intimidating. Even. Scary. Very much so. And a lot of people do get frightened off from it and it can really affect people's uh, social lives. Yes, absolutely, negatively. Yeah, it can affect their relationships with maybe their partners or their family or their because friends. Because you're not allowed to go and eat out with your friends or your family. Yeah, it's really, that's a good way of putting it because that's what we've, we've heard before. Are you allowed to eat out, Courtney? Are you allowed to eat out? Oh, are, you, are you allowed to eat that? Of course I'm allowed to eat that. But, but you do hear it a lot. But you do hear it a lot. Well, I still hear it a lot. And it's just from people that uh, often don't understand will make those sort of comments to you. They don't really understand what you're doing maybe in your life or how you're going about it. So it can be confronting to hear that from other people and it can also be scary when you start thinking that yourself as well. Well, it is easy to think that when you're starting a little journey like this that you need to give up everything that you previously liked to have any sort of chance of success. Mm. So goodbye goes any sort of street food. Goodbye goes a lot of the things that you've loved and you've now got to be strict you're on a diet, you have to be 100%, otherwise you've failed. That's right. And we all know how well that usually turns out. Not very. Not very well. That sort of mindset is quite dangerous long-term because if you deprive yourself so much of anything and you try to stick to 100% you try to be on a diet, then there is what we often call a rebound effect. And what is that? A rebound effect is where you will give yourself usually a time limit. So you'll give yourself, you know, 28 days, 12 weeks, something along these lines worth of a diet. Uh, This is how long I'm doing this particular diet for. This is how long I'm going to be 100% for. And strict. And very strict. I'm not going to eat out at all. I'm not going to have anything that involves anything nasty at all in terms of sugar, uh, sweets, uh, Help me out here. What Ice cream. Alcohol, nothing. Nothing 
what we no chocolate quote unquote bad food at all cut it out completely cut it out completely 100% so then you do that if you're good enough to stick to that you're going to do that for 28 days or 12 weeks or whatever it is that you whatever time limit you put yourself probably find it very hard you will find it incredibly hard and if you'll be so excited for that time frame to finish if you're like most people you'll start hating life you'll start fantasizing when you go to the coffee shop to get that cup of coffee about the muffins sitting on top of the counter. No, no, you're not allowed to have the muffin. No, you're not having the muffin. You're fantasizing about the muffin. You're not allowed to, that's why. And a lot of people start looking at those muffins thinking, oh, I'll be back to get you in three weeks when my diet finishes. When I go back to normal. When I go back to normal. This is what happens then. You, When you go back to quote-unquote normal life or your diet finishes and here comes the binge you're going to automatically want to go and get those things that you had deprived yourself of and lash out and you're going to want to have all of them so you're going to want to have that muffin no 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 all the muffins you're going to want to go and have that night out you're going to want to have pizza night with your friends all the pizzas you're going to want to go to fish and chips or every single fish and chip stop Whatever it is that you had been fantasizing about over that 28 days or 12 weeks or 8 weeks, whatever it was. The binge is coming. You are going to want to have each and every one of those things you had told yourself. You sort of bargained with yourself. Just get through this diet and then you can have it. Just get through and then you can have it. So then what happens? You get through and then you go and have it. And this is what we call the rebound effect because often what will happen is you will put whatever it is that you lost on that diet back on. And more. And generally more. So can I ask you a question? Is this something you've dealt with personally? Not not in that way that I just described it. I was, Not the rebound effect, but in no. terms of... I have tried diets in the past, yes. I've tried to cut out things. I've tried to go out... The thought of going out for dinner and thinking to myself, oh, I'll just have... Something plain. I know I won't have dessert. I'll Can you just have something plain. Elaborate. How this how how this work for you? Something plain might be just oh I'll just have uh, plain protein and and steamed vegetables and that's it and some water. But the, the difference with me is is that when I was overweight, I really didn't have willpower. I had little to none. Hmm. So this sort of thing for me would last for a couple of days and then I was done. Like there was no 28 days or 12 weeks happening for me on this. So I would have that mentality only for a few days before I'd slip back into, no, it's just too hard. I can't do that. I've been guilty of this in the past. So it was a short spurts for myself. Usually Mm -hmm. I was on the other end of the scale where I would have it and just say, oh, go to the gym tomorrow. Okay. So I would bargain with myself on the other side of things. I would have no problem having whatever food I wanted, but I would bargain with myself by saying, I'll just... You'll burn it off tomorrow. I'll just burn it off later. Sure. Which obviously doesn't work either. So what about your experience with this? Uh, I did think like that for a long time and I forced it upon myself. So all the stuff that... Being afraid to eat out? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't go out. I can't have restaurant food, even if it was good. So steak... Vegetables? No, I can't have it unless it was mine. Oh. Um, I had to have made it. And it got to the stage where I was so worried about eating food at all that I didn't make myself that it prevented me from doing things. So, hey, Matt, let's go out on the weekend. No, I can't. I'm busy. 
Mm. And by busy, I mean I'm staying at home, hating myself. So it's was for me it was like cold turkey, going off everything. And it it for me it affected my social life in a in a negative way. But over over a period of time, I've just been able to deal with it. Where it's like actually, and this is part of the whole point of this whole topic we're talking about. Actually, you don't need to be like that. No. At all. I mean, obviously, when we're on a bit of a, a journey to get in shape and look and feel our best, there does have to be some discipline. Like, you can't just go and say, oh, well, you can have anything you want and get in great shape because that would be a lie. That would be a lie, yes. So things will need to change. I did have to make some sacrifices, but I think I went a bit too far and st- started to develop that mindset of, I can't have anything I used to like for the rest of my life. Yeah. Which is false. It is false, but it's a very common misconception. Yeah, it is. Uh, so here's a question for you. How have you helped your clients through this? Because you're a trainer, you're a coach, you've worked with people in the past and currently are as well. How have you helped any clients with this? I think there's people that have this as an issue in their lives at different stages. So I've had clients where it's just it's just purely a misconception and once they understand the way I explain it to them and they understand that, yes, you've got to make sacrifices and you do have to change your eating habits, but you don't have to be 100%. By eating, by eating X amount of great meals a week, if you have one or two non-great meals or meals you've ha- eaten out a week, that it's not, it's not uh, over shadowing all the great things you've done for the rest of the week. Exactly. So there is a balance there. And I think for a lot of clients, once they understand that balance, it's easy for them to get their heads around and, and move on with that. I think though I've seen other clients though, where this is an ingrained issue. So not just a misconception, it is being ingrained in them for years and years and years and maybe a little bit more like yourself where you have to really develop it out of your habits. Work it out. You've really got to work with it and work it out as you go. So uh, for example, I've had a client that had this as a bit of a uh, bad habit where they would force themselves to be... 100% and usually forcing though is a bad word I think in this uh, context because they weren't really forcing themselves they were mostly doing it unconsciously so they would just eat 100% week to week just because that was their habit that's just what they did maybe they can sustain it though they might be able to sustain it but then what would happen though is if they did make a mistake they would blame that mistake would be blamed for any uh, results that they didn't get. So if they don't think at the end of it they got enough results, they would look back and they would blame that one mistake that they had made. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So that can be what is dangerous about Mm. someone even unconsciously going 100% because then they're not used to making mistakes. Yep. So when they do make a mistake... They will blame, if they don't get as much of a result they want, they'll blame it on that mistake. Well, I know for me, people that I've worked with and still do work with, I illustrate with them that actually you can eat out, you can enjoy your treat foods uh, from time to time. It's not going to impact what you're doing. 
In fact, what I try and really impart on people these days is that you don't actually need to give up anywhere near as much as you think you need to to get a fantastic result. You just need to start to change a few things that are really working against you. Mm. So I've had clients or we've had clients in the past that have had fantastic results still eating chocolate on an almost daily basis Mm -hmm. or still enjoying alcohol or still enjoying chicken parmigianas. Absolutely. You don't need to give everything away. There is there is a balance that you can strike where the average person only needs to change a certain amount for their body to have drastic changes. Correct. We've got someone we're working with at the moment who shall remain unnamed where she thinks she's stagnating, yet all we see with her every single week is physical change. Mm. Looking leaner, looking stronger... But she thinks because she's now just doing the same thing week in, week out and still making the same mistakes, she's not going to get anywhere when the eyeball test says otherwise. Correct. So the, the big point we're sort of trying to make here for you guys listening is that, yes, of course you can eat out and still lose weight and still get in great shape. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be a completely 100% give it all up sort of thing. In fact, it shouldn't be. No. For the average person... Where's the fun in your life if you're getting into this fantastic shape but can't enjoy yourself? No, exactly. And I think the main thing to remember as well is that just because you go to eat out doesn't necessarily mean that you have to eat anything that is on the menu. It doesn't mean you're going to have junk all the time. It doesn't mean you're going to have junk all the time. I've eaten out plenty of times and enjoyed a fantastic steak. Steak and vegetables, Salmon, yeah. Feet, you know, like there's heaps Some, you can do out there. Sometimes you can go out and you can make great choices. So yeah, you can. when we say it adds as one of a cheap meal or as a mistake for the week, it doesn't necessarily always mean that. So I think that um, that's a big point to understand as well is that you don't necessarily have to go out and choose anything on the menu. Uh, you can go out and choose the best food that is going to help you still achieve your goals at that time and I know a lot of people that do that especially if maybe they've gone out more than once in a week well I know what helped me a lot with overcoming this was learning how to read a menu Mm. like actually how to look at a menu and break it down and go well I can have this 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 and this and it'll still work for me but also having the courage to ask for modifications to things that I'm ordering. That's a big that, tip. That helped me a lot overcome my issue where I, you know, like I said before, I would refuse to go out with friends. Once I learned how to read a menu and felt confident with actually looking at it and asking people to change things, everything was different. Yeah, I think that's a really big tip. And all of a sudden it became really more enjoyable. It became a lot more enjoyable to, as, as you and I do now, we'll have our, our date day or date night yeah. once a week. Mm-hmm. And is there any guilt with what we have? No. My favorite thing right now, my favorite sort of treat meal is is a chicken parmigiana or a hamburger with some sort of ice cream after it. Now, previously in the past, the thought of having that to me would be like, no, I'm doing it wrong. I'm failing. Where now I know if I'm eating, you know, 42 times a week, which I am, and one to two of those are, let's say, off plan, that means 40 out of 42 are on the money. I'm still heading in the right direction. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about in terms of the math there. So it doesn't stand up if you're afraid of having that meal. You've got to remember how many great meals you're having each week 
And you've really got to look look at that whole picture, not just at that one treat meal that you might uh, that you might go out and have. But I think you brought up a good point, Matt, in terms of it's a great tip on reading a menu and not being afraid to ask for some modifications. So, okay, give some examples here. So if you go out and you might see that, let's just say the steak comes with chips mm-hmm. and sauce and you have already eaten out that week and you had pizza the other time you ate out that yeah. week and and this time... Hang on, pizza with pineapple? no. No, no. Can I just put out in the public forum that pineapple should not be on pizza? Can I put out in the public forum that pineapple should be on every pizza? Okay, we'll come back to that in another time. But you might go out, you've said, okay, I had pizza on Friday night. This is now Sunday, Sunday lunchtime. You're going out. It's a, it's a family birthday party, so we've, it's been organised and you're going out for lunch. You're looking at the menu, you're thinking, I don't really want to have something else that's a bit of a treat. I want to I want to have something like what I usually have to eat. Yep. Okay, what are you going to look for? Well, you might look and you might see that there's steak and chips on the menu. Okay. The the steak comes with sauce on it. You might ask, is there any chance I could have vegetables instead of chips? And 99 times out of 100, what do they say? They will say, "Yeah, no problem." Because that's usually one of the options anyway. Yep. It's it, they'll always have vegetables in a kitchen or a salad. Or a salad. They're always going to have it because it's, it'll be part of another dish. So yeah, you can exactly. always just ask politely. You know, asking politely goes a long way. You ask politely and you say, you know, I'm sorry, is there any possibility that I might be able to have salad or steamed vegetables with, with my steak? And very rarely will people say no. Well, I can't remember the last time I was told no. I don't think I've ever been said no, told I can't, no. I can't remember because what you're asking for is not hard. Well, usually it's part of another dish. And that's another thing that you can do is you can look at the menu and you can see, okay, these other dishes come with vegetables or these other dishes come with salad. So you know the kitchen has those there. It's not like you're asking for something that Just they're not stocked for. don't make this and give me this. Exactly. And then you also might ask for the sauce to come out on the side instead of on the steak. So you can have your own feel of how much sauce you'd like to use and on your steak. The, not have the steak drowned. If if you'd like sauce on your steak at all. So that's something that you can you can do. You can really look at the menu, look at the side dishes that are available, look at what is coming with other dishes on the menu, other uh sauces of salad or vegetables and then you can ask politely if you can have that with your steak if your steak didn't already come with that i know for me i like to order sides of vegetables quite often i hate my vegetables drowned in oil Mm. it just puts me off it to me it ruins the taste of vegetables so i ask them hold the oil yeah, you can ask them what, what it's cooked with. Are, are those vegetables steamed or are they cooked in, are they sautéed with oil? So If so, no need for sautéing, please. Yeah, no need for oil. That would be fantastic. If you could just steam them or just warm them through, that would be fantastic. Yep. Uh, you Generally, if you ask, you'll get. Yeah, definitely. There's, I think a smile and a please and a thank you go a really long oh, way. Oh, yes, they do. As a former waitress, I know. And gratitude, gratitude does go a very long way. Yep. So, as I said, if you're looking at the menu sensibly, you're not going to ask for the them for something that isn't on the menu somewhere else. So you're looking at the menu, thinking, okay, they've definitely got vegetables and salad in the kitchen because they come with these other dishes. So that's that's a really good first tip to use. I know for me as well. What I'll often do if I go to a restaurant that I haven't been to before. 
I will suss out their menu online. That's another great and tip. And I'll, I'll plan ahead and go, oh, okay, well, this place does ABC. I'm going to walk in there asking for ABC. I, I know now that, you know, with how good the having, you know, internet access is on our phones, I can look up their menu because these days, it's been a long time now since I can remember going to a restaurant where I couldn't look at their menu online beforehand. Absolutely. They've all got a web presence of some kind. Mm. They've all got their menus online. You can plan ahead like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a that's another fantastic tip. I think another great tip is like what I spoke about in my example, uh, planning your week ahead. If you know you've got several events on that week, you know that you're going to be eating out more often than maybe you usually would, then... Plan, allocate allocate yeah. your treats. Plan your, plan your week ahead and allocate what night you're going to have a, a treat while you're out for dinner and maybe what night you're actually going to pick something that's more suited to what you usually eat. What you'll find is that, let's say the Christmas period is the best example, where there's social events yeah, virtually great, every weekend. Point. The Christmas period doesn't have to mean you're going off the rails just because you're having a lot of social events. Mm. You can pick and choose the social events where it's like, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm looking at the menu. They have a nice-looking dessert. Mmm, Mars bar cake. Mmm, <laughs> their chicken parmigiana looks pretty good. Their pizzas look pretty good. That'll be the night. Where the next event, it might be, you know what? I'm happy with what I had last week. This week might just be the salmon and vegetables option, the salmon salad option, whatever whatever comes to mind. Mm. Steak and veggies. <laughs> so you can pick and choose. Just plan accordingly. I, I'm not a fan of the idea of oh, I've got all these social events, my goals have to take a back seat to this. No, they don't. No, and I also don't b- believe in panicking over those sort of situations nah. either. And, nah. and we get asked about Christmas. It's a great example you brought up because we get asked about Christmas period a lot. A lot of people start to panic and start to get really nervous. Are you allowed to eat at Christmas, when, Courtney? Yeah, when, that, when this period comes up because it, it is full. Does December is pretty much full. November and December. Of... Yeah, of celebrations and Gatherings. parties and whatnot. So definitely plan your week ahead and know where you're going to be going. As Matt said, have think, a look at the menu. Think have about Have a it. think about how you can get around this. What you find is if you don't do things on autopilot and you actually stop and go, hang on, I'm going to think about this even for five minutes, you can take control and feel a lot better about things. Yeah, and, and it generally is really easy to do once you step back and actually have a look at it ahead of time. And can I also say on the subject of giving advice to our listeners, if you're going to go out and enjoy a treat with your friends or your family, how about enjoy it? Yeah. Don't beat yourself up. The best, do you know what my favorite ice cream is? Guilt-free ice cream, (laughs) which is what I have with you every week to two weeks. Yes. Because... If I'm having it every week to two weeks, and as I said before, the other 95% of what I'm eating is on the money, the ice cream tastes even better when I'm not thinking about it. Absolutely. It just tastes so good. So if you guys listening at home or on your phones, don't beat yourselves up. Enjoy some balance because I do believe we only live once. Yeah, we definitely Enjoy only it. live once. So, I you, mean, there's times in that Christmas period as well that we might eat out and have treat meals twice in a week. Oh, 
No, we failed, Courtney. And it's awful, but it's fine. It's you know, more than like fine. it's yeah, we're joking it's, by saying it's, it's awful. It's, it's seriously it's fine. It's the blowouts that do you in. Yes, it's the multiples. It's the saying, Oh well, yesterday I ate whatever, so today it doesn't matter either. You know, they're the times that it becomes an issue. So the 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 occasional meal or the once or twice a week meal out is not going to sink the ship. Deal. Thing is, and this is the thing, if someone, let's say someone is overweight, wanting to get in great shape, you know, turn things around a bit, if they can gradually get themselves to the stage where they're only having one to two treat meals a week, they're going to look so different mm. and they're going to feel so much better that people are going to poo themselves when they see how much they've changed. But even just getting down to that, like I've got some people I've worked with where it's the other way around. They might be having two to three meals a week that are actually on plan and every other meal is off. We start gradually turning that ratio around bit by bit and the changes start to happen. It, you'd be surprised how much you need to change or how little you need to change with what you're eating to actually get Results. to get a result. It's really just being conscientious mm. about what you're having. Now, I've got a question for you, wife. Let's say you and I are going out. Yes. Which we do. Mm. What what sort of rules do you try and stick by with yourself in terms of what you're going to eat, what you're looking at, portion sizes? What do you do? Well, portion sizes are obviously something to take into consideration. Why is that? Well, I'm going to eat a lot, far less than you are. I would hope so. <laughs> but There's a bit of a size difference between Courtney and I. I think as well, I think we've seen a massive uh, shift in restaurants over the last several years uh, where portion sizes are getting increasingly bigger. The portion sizes are rather large these days, can which I, is um, fantastic. Can I just point out the portion sizes that we had in America that they were serving up to us? Oh, my gosh. Holy shit. That was an interesting experience. <laughs> I'm ordering for one and get a family-sized portion. Well, when we were traveling in America, we actually... For those who don't know, we got married in the US. We're very lucky to have had that. Very lucky. And again, we went we went over to America and, and the thought did cross my mind, hmm, how are we going to handle the food over here? It did cross my mind, but then I sort of forgot about it and thought, you know what, we'll just make it work and, and be done with it. One of the techniques that we developed while over there, we learned very quickly that they're Main meal portion sizes are extremely large in family size. We're talking like epic. They're a lot larger than we found in the places we went. I'm not saying that all of America is exactly the same, but in the places we went, we found that they're a lot larger than the main meal portion sizes here. So we learned where's here in Melbourne. Where's Melbourne? Australia. Thank you. <laughs> so we we learned very quickly that we should order uh, one main meal and one entree. To come out at the same time. To share between the two of us. And we would share those between the two of us. So that we did that pretty much most places we went Once to. Once we figured out what was happening in terms of, okay, I've ordered an entree and a main for each of us and we've just got enough food for 10 people. Yes. Yes, as I said, it might not be the same everywhere you go, but we definitely we found, found a lot of the places we went to were like that. So we developed that technique and it's really no different to techniques that we, we use 
here in Melbourne, Australia as well. Well, it's portion size. That's it's the whole point of this discussion at- right now where you're going and I mean for often for us we're creatures of habit and we love the restaurants that we go to so we often go back to the same places so we get used to we know what to expect with their portion sizes I think though as well don't feel obligated to finish your plate no I've, that's a big one I, I, I know for me like anyone that knows me will know that I can be a fair a fair eater I can put away a lot of food so you're a large kid a large kid yeah a large lad yep can put away a fair bit of food, can eat, as can we eat. say. But even some of the portion sizes that we've had here, the amount of food on the plate, I haven't finished. Sometimes you haven't finished. Now, when I was when I was younger, I did, and I think this worked against me. It had to have worked against me, given how overweight that I got. I always felt the urge to finish the plate because what do we get told by our parents as kids? Finish your food, or you don't get dessert. Blah blah blah. So the the culture was ingrained in me to finish finish my food and I think that worked against me as I started eating out more and more and more getting heavier and heavier I'd still be finishing my plate on massive serves of you know spaghetti massive mm-hmm. serves of pies lasagna yeah. that was uh I, I had a little bit of that mentality as well and I think you're right you still do sometimes I think a lot of people growing up do have that mentality of finishing what's on your plate but you don't have to you don't have to. And so that is something now? I have to remember as well when I'm out. And and when you're eating something as well so delicious, because if you're a food lover like we are. Well, most people are, really. If you're eating something so delicious, you just want to keep eating it. But you've really got to listen to your body. And when you've had enough. You've had enough. You've had enough don't, and you need to stop. Don't be afraid to send the plate back and it's not empty. Yeah. I do that more often than not now. I do that often as well. But you still have to watch yourself. Like we've had this discussion Correct, yeah. recently. We are like, you know what? I could still finish this even though you you know you're full. I know I'm Your full. brain says I want more. Correct. So I really have to focus. You need to think about I'm that. I'm not overfilling myself and I just need to stop and realize that I just couldn't finish it. And that, that comes with experience, listening to your body and then having some a bit of discipline to say, you know what? I've had enough. So that's a big thing as well. A big tip to remember when eating out is just with the portion sizes, whether you're having something more in line with what you usually eat at home or whether you're having a bit of a treat meal, you've really got to watch the portion size because it's not necessarily what you would make at home. No. And you've got to stop when you're full. And the thing is as well, when, you, when you've, you're exercising, you're training hard, you're gradually changing your habits at home to work for you, you are going to learn more about your body, about your appetite, about when you're full, when you've had enough. It just pays to listen. And I think personally, the same idea applies to alcohol. It can be very easy. And I know this from personal experience as a borderline alcoholic when I was younger. It can be easy to go, you know what? I'm having one to two tonight and one to two becomes 10 to 12. Mm. 10 to 12 becomes 15 to 20. And all of a sudden... That sort of intake, which can also then lead to bad food choices, because for me, I'd go out, I'd get wasted on a lot of alcohol, and then I'd get hungry, and what am I looking for? The first pizza stand I could find, buying oversized kebabs, kebabs, obviously kebabs, oversized slices of pizza that were, you're drowning in grease, and these sorts of of weekends where you really go off, off track, can they can undo what you've done for the whole week mm. if you really go off the rails. So there will be the need to have a bit of discipline to just say, you know what, these are my limits. Mm. I can sustain these limits. I'm going to stick to them. So often when I work with clients as well, 
I don't tell them what their limits are. I ask them what they think they can work within. And then as they improve and their confidence grows, we gradually start to rein things in. So you look at us, we're at the stage where, you know, we can we can manage our portion sizes. We can manage the number of treats that we have per week. But did we start that way? No. No, we did not. So for those of you guys listening right now, please don't feel the need to do what we do. We are years ahead of you. We do this for a living. We've practiced this on ourselves and this has taken time to get to where we are. So if you've got someone, for example, that wants to get in great shape and they're eating out, takeaway food, whatever, say 12 times a week, going from 12 down to two, let alone zero, but 12 down to two is quite a tough ask. Absolutely. I would say if someone goes from 12 to 10, that's, that's a great progress. First step. That's yeah. a great first step. So you bring it down moderately. You've got to bring it down gradually, Sus- definitely. Gradually, sustain it. Correct. And then once you're ready for the next step, you then do that. So that's how I approach it with my clients. I'll get them to give me an idea of what they think they can they can go for. In fact, I did that with one of the one of my ladies that I work with the other day. She said to me, sent me a message saying, you know, how many treats should I have a week? I said, Well, how many do you think you can stick with? She said, I think I can stick with two. I said, Well, go for it. Perfect. Do we'll do it and find out. Yeah. We do it, we record it, we see how you feel, we see how you, you've, you've held up mentally. Do you feel deprived? Do you feel like you're going to binge? If not, well done. If you do feel that way, we'll make an adjustment. That's, that, that's really it. Um, I think that's the, they're the biggest tips that I can give, apart from just repeating what I said earlier. Don't beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to eat out with your friends, pick what you want to have and have fun with it. Correct. And, you know, plan plan your week ahead. Make sure that you're reading the menu through thoroughly if you would like to have something more in line with what you usually eat. And I think that, that uh, I think they're the biggest tips that we can give on that. Yeah, I think so. Basically, yeah, you can eat out and still lose weight. Yep. There's just a few things you want to watch out for. And it, it doesn't need to be, you know, I'll use this term loosely. It doesn't need to be a death sentence no. because you're having a stack of social events. Please enjoy your social events. Definitely. Please enjoy being around the people that you want to be around and you know have a good time. But your goals aren't going to go away because you have a bunch of social events coming up or someone's invited you to have dinner out with them. Correct. Now, anything else you want to add to that or are you comfortable? I'm comfortable with that. Let's move on If we've to- forgotten anything though, everyone can... Uh- Yell at us? Yeah, please send us a message and ask us any questions. Well, I think now we'll move on to hit some emails. Oh, the email music is gone. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, Courtney, we have two questions. Yes. From Matt. No, this is not me. Hi, Matt. It's another Matt. Hello, Matt. We'll start with question number one, Courtney. Sports drinks like Gatorade and Powerade, are they fact or fiction? They claim to replenish electrolytes, salts, etc., but also are pretty well loaded with sugar. I have read articles that warn people off these drinks and that the human body can replenish everything on its own as long as we hydrate adequately with water. True or false? Would you like to start or shall I? I think uh, you... I think that's a great question, Matt, to start off with. I think that's fantastic. Matt, me or Matt, the guy that emailed us? emailed 
So I think that's a fantastic question, Matt. So thank you for um, writing that one in. I will let you go into all the science behind this, Matt, because I know that uh, you have – I wouldn't say have a love for it, but you definitely have uh, more of a – I don't know what I'm trying to say. You have a love for the science behind this sort of stuff, so I'm going to let you explain it. All right. So, all right, Matt, in terms of sports drinks, Gatorade, Powerade, what's there, Staminade, um, there's there's quite a few out there. And a lot of them out there are made now with zero sugar and promoted that way too. Which defeats the purpose. Yes. Uh, now, the issue isn't so much that these things are loaded with sugar. No. The, the biggest issue with these sports drinks is that people drink them like they're water. Yeah, now, 100%. you look... At Gatorade's the best example because if memory serves correct, Gatorade's the first sports drink made for made for the Florida Gators football team. Now, Gatorade was given to football players to have during and after full contact games of American football. That right there should give you the indication of what these things are used for. Well, what they were intended to be used for. Yes, yes they're intended to be used to replenish and resupply the body after intense, in this case football, but intense training, intense exercise. So if you see someone walking down the street and they're casually sipping Powerade or Gatorade, if they haven't worked out, yes, they are kind of using it wrong. So these things have been shown in science to they do work. They do do work. I know for me, well, both of us, we have Gatorade and Powerade before and after our workouts. Yeah. I know for myself, just to give you an example, I'm not talking about massive, you know, leaders of it. I'm talking about we actually use the powdered uh, Gatorade or Powerade. You can buy it in a powdered form so you can make it up yourself. Ten bucks a tub. And, And I use... About half the scoop that comes in that. And for me, because I'm a bigger boy, I have a full scoop. So it gives you an idea of how much we're using. So it's not liters and liters of it either. Having a little bit. Now, the thing is, in terms of if you've read articles, Matt, that will warn people off the drinks because the human body can replenish as long as we hydrate with water. Uh, False. These sports drinks, the real good ones, have actually been scientifically proven to dramatically assist with performance and recovery during intense exercise. Uh, they do have things present in there that water does not. Um, I can also, from a uh, anecdotal perspective, can back up these things. When I was younger, I used to exercise literally with no supplements, mm. no protein, no sort of carbohydrate source. And when I started to introduce these strategic supplements into my routine, my training went to a new level, as did my ability to recover from that training. So yeah, these things, the the short end of it, Matt, is that these sports drinks are bloody fantastic when used correctly. Uh, just so you guys know, on the show notes page on the website, which is where, Courtney? Where's the website? Yeah. It is theweightlosspodcast.com. Are you sure? Yes. Are you really sure? Because you sound like you're guessing. No, it's theweightlosspodcast.com. Yes, it is. So on the show notes page, guys, I will put in there some really good reading on some of the science behind these sports drinks. So if you are wondering if they actually are worth your time and money, you can read the facts for yourself and make your own mind up. But uh, from my perspective, the science is there. I'm all for it. And I know for me, when I use it, I feel great. So consume with confidence. 
consume with confidence, but as Matt said, if you're seeing people walk down the street... Having it like it's water. Having it just like it's cordial, then cordial, yes, 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 they are not using it correctly and it's not going to benefit them in any positive way. It will do more harm than good. It will do more harm than good. Uh, but if, as Matt said, if you're in doing intense exercise, it has been proven to, to work yep. in conjunction with water, obviously, as well. So hydrating with water is obviously really important. Now... Matt also has come with a second question. Shoot. All right. Why doesn't the medical profession recommend exercise or more intense activity to more people with chronic pain more often? Speaking for myself, I wish someone had told me years ago to get off my ass and exercise rather than, quote unquote, try a chiropractor or a physiotherapist, etc. I once had a surgeon tell me that all he could do for my back pain was make it me make it worse than it already was. Having suffered with chronic back pain for probably 10 to 15 years, the biggest thing I've done was exercise, and now I virtually have no back pain at all. Exercise should be pushed a lot harder by the doctors and experts, in my opinion. What do you think? 100% agree, Matt. That is another great, like, amazing question. And Matt and I could not agree more. We've had conversations about this issue since since we started the gym. And it is mind-boggling to us that there aren't more. But unfortunately... What you'll find is that uh, medical professionals are a lot like every other form of profession in the world. There's good ones. And there's less than good ones. Hmm. So I know for me, I, I've i looked for us with our business to align ourselves with high quality health professionals that see eye to eye with us in terms of exercise should be inclusive. Exercise should be for everyone, no matter what their conditions are. And you should be able to work around what someone's got. So in the case of someone like Matt, who said he had chronic back pain, I think a lot of people... Or a lot of medical professionals aren't going to recommend it because that's not their their specialty. No. Like for you, you take you and I. Our specialty does happen to be exercise. So we can tell you all about the good stuff that comes with it. But say, for example, if you have, well, let's say, a podiatrist who specialises in problems from the hips down, that's not us. So no. we can, we can't speak to that. So there are there are some professionals that may speak out of turn. Well, yes. And comment about things that, quite frankly, they don't know about. So you look at exercise and someone with, with, with any sort of chronic pain, a simple rule that I've got, if you make someone stronger, you're going to improve their life. Absolutely. So this is what Matt has had. So Matt has said he's had chronic back pain, but since he started exercising, the back pain's gone away. Of course it has. He's gotten stronger. Absolutely. You strengthen the body up, there are literally no side effects and no drawbacks to being stronger. I know for me, I had chronic knee pain in both my knees for years, which was a result of me playing a lot of American football when I was younger and overweight, which is very impactful on your knees. As I got stronger and lighter, the knee pain went bye-bye. I think it's also the misconception, even within health professionals, that exercise has a lot to do more with fitness and weight high, loss high impact. than it does to do with 
making sure that functionally as you're getting older or as we're dealing with injuries, we're able to deal with them in the best way that we can. And simply put as well, when it comes to to exercise, if someone has any sort of chronic condition, the best thing you can get them doing is a structured weight training program. Correct. I mean, we sort of touched on this last week with the the exercise episode, but weight training does have this, this really cool habit of fixing pretty much everything that's wrong with us physically in terms of, of chronic pain, conditions, or any sort of weaknesses that we've got, you can iron those out. So, and it doesn't discriminate. So if you are carrying an injury, there are so many alternatives within weight training that you can do. So many inclusive. alternative exercises that really anyone can do it. So I can't you know, as one health professional here, me talking, I can't blame other health professionals for not fully having a grasp or understanding the the benefits of, of someone being stronger through exercise, much like they couldn't blame me for not knowing, you know, how to conduct open heart surgery. Yeah, I think it just someone. goes along with the misconceptions throughout society that, I mean, I truly think that people think of exercise and getting fit and healthy as more of a... Aerobics. Aerobics thing. Jumping, jumping around, uh, landing on your knees. Yeah, and I think they also uh, align it with getting fit and um, losing weight, whereas for a lot of people, that may not be their goals at all. It just li- literally might be in terms of re- rehabbing an injury or dealing with chronic pain or just functionally or, as they're getting older. for most people, all the above. Mm. I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to function better and keep my physical independence. Uh, the a well structured exercise program where someone's going to get stronger will do that. So I think it comes down, answering the question succinctly. I think things comes down to a lot of professionals just don't know, and that's okay. They know what they know. Yep. We know what we know, and this is where I think health professionals work best when they work together, and they can cover each other's weaknesses. Uh, I know that Courtney and I, we work a lot with a fantastic sports physiotherapist who will be a guest on our show pretty soon, where he is incredible at diagnosing people's conditions, which we cannot, but we then take over once we know what the condition is, we have a treatment plan in place, we can help someone execute that plan Yes. where the physio cannot. So to me, health professionals and medical professionals work best when they work together. So I do hope, Matt, that that question has been answered uh, to your satisfaction. And for those of you listening at home, you know, obviously we hope that you get something out of it. Uh, I reckon that's I reckon that's a wrap. That's about it for, for us, us. If- now. Oh gosh. Now, if people want to email us with more questions, podcast uh- at theweightlosspodcast.com is where you can find us, or you can send us a message through our Facebook page. What's the Facebook page? Which is just the Weight Loss Podcast. On Facebook? Yes. Wow, Courtney. Wow. Yep. Well done. I want it. So any feedback that you guys have, any questions, please send them through. Otherwise, we are going to call this a show. A wrap. And head on out of here. So hope you guys got something out of this. Hope it has helped. Feel free to leave us or give us any comments or feedback, and we will speak to you soon. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.